Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Stavros Yanuka with another episode of Wise Words. Now, in uh, in our last episode, we talked with an entrepreneur who used her education in ethical leadership to empower young girls with relevant technical skills in Ghana. Uh, in this episode, we're going to further explore entrepreneurship uh, and how to bring it to young uh, people, and in particular, uh, girls. Uh, my conversation today is with Emily McHugh. Uh, she's the author of The Little Girl's Guide to Entrepreneurship. Uh, Emily is the founder of uh, Kazori, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, an award-winning accessories design company that started in Emily's bedroom over 18 years ago. Uh, in this episode, Emily shares her entrepreneurial journey and how entrepreneurship is a viable option uh, for young people. Uh, with that, I bring you Emily McHugh. Emily McHugh, welcome to Wise Words. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, Emily, you've uh, you've written a very interesting uh, book, The Little Girl's Guide to Entrepreneurship, uh, and that's what I want to, want us to spend a bit of time uh, talking about. Now, the the introduction to to the book focuses a lot on your on your personal story and and how you got to to where you are today. Uh, and I found that quite uh, quite intriguing, and, and I was wondering if you could just share the the highlights uh, for uh, for the benefit of our audience. Well, I, I can start off by telling you where the title of the book comes from. Okay. So it is the full title is the Little Girl's Guide to Entrepreneurship: What I Know Now That I Sure Wish I Knew Then. Mm -hmm. And the inspiration for the book is kind of like writing a book that I wish were available when I started my business Yeah, and started to share some of those insights. And what I find is when it comes to entrepreneurship, when people are starting a business, we're like reinventing the wheel. We have the same questions, the same issues, and we're going over and over again. Yeah. So if there's a way to streamline or simplify that process, I think it's very a worthwhile endeavor. Now, I will say this right off the bat as a disclaimer, no one book can be comprehensive or exhaustive on yeah. a huge topic of entrepreneurship. Yeah. So my intention with this is to share my experience and some of the insights and lessons that I've learned from mistakes made and so forth, and that's the, the, the angle. Yeah. But it's a broad topic that I encourage people to read as many books as they can on the topic. Yeah. And as far as the title, The Little Girl's Guide, this book, um, inspiration came from my niece, my niece Tiffany, when she was nine years old. She asked me, Aunt Emily, can I start a business now? Or am I too little or too young to start a business? And I kind of reflected when she asked the question and said, no, you can start at any age. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is whether you're young or older, it yeah. doesn't matter the age, nor does it matter the gender. Yeah. And hence, the title is kind of a little bit to open that dialogue. Yeah. That this is a book for anybody, any age, male, female, young, old, yeah. it's the same lessons that apply, but it's an accessible book to a, even a younger audience. Okay. I mean, that's it, it, that's that's what intrigued me in the sense that, that you know, there are many, many books have been written about, you know, entrepreneurship, some good, some 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 less so. But what intrigued me was that, you know, the angle of, you know, taking the perspective of a, of a young girl uh, and, uh, and, and, and in a sense, as you say, trying to make the topic accessible uh, and uh, and interesting. Um, you were also, I believe, inspired by uh, 
personal examples and, and personal experiences uh, that you had growing up as well. So do you want to share some of those and, uh, and, and, and talk a little bit about the, about the backstory, if you will, to, to, to this? Well, the whole idea of entrepreneurship is a journey. So what I'm discussing in this book is the entrepreneurial journey. So where does that journey begin? It begins with when you were born or actually it started before you were born. And I wanted to kind of dig into the influences that helped to shape my ultimately making the decision to yeah. become an entrepreneur. Because it's not just, I think for me, what I realized upon reflecting and kind of trying to separate out some of the steps is that it was a series of events that yeah. led to that decision. Yeah. And I didn't think of it that way at the time I decided, but upon looking, reflecting, it clearly was that. So I start with looking at my identity. Who am I? Where did I come from? And what were some of those early influences? And, um, and the people around me that might have had this impact. And when I look at it, all of my forefathers did. I never knew my grandparents, but in essence, they were all entrepreneurial in one form or another. Um, my parents too. And so originally my family is from Jamaica in the West Indies. I was born in England, but grew up in Jamaica and also New Jersey. And so when I was in Jamaica, I grew up on a farm and my aunt and uncle, they were running their, their farm, citrus and sugar cane. And so I would go with them on their expeditions to do whatever they did. And I always found it interesting. Yeah. And I, I don't know what they were doing, but just being exposed to the commerce and, and the buying and selling of, of goods kind of planted some seeds. And along the way, that, that definitely helped to shape my, um, the foundation, mm -hmm. if you were, was yeah. laid for growing into this direction. Yeah. Why, why, do you think that, why do you think it's important to, to kind of be, be aware of, of, your, of your roots as an entrepreneur? What's, what's you know, I guess you, one could argue it's, it's important to everyone to have an understanding of, of, uh, of their identity and, and you know, where, where they come from. But why, what's special about that vis-a-vis -vis entrepreneurship? Well, there are two reasons that come to mind. One is responsibility, mm -hmm. and the other one is strength. Like, where are you going to draw from? So when I say responsibility, all the people that came before me, their actions and their life work cannot be in vain. It has to result in who's left. So I feel it very important. My grandparents, my parents, my forefathers, they work very hard under sometimes difficult circumstances to make things better for the next generation. Yeah. So hence, I'm getting the baton now, what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. So I'm honoring their legacy, honoring their sacrifices to say, you know, this was not in vain. And not only that, there's something that I can now pass on to someone else. Whether they're related to me or not is really irrelevant. The mm -hmm. point is that someone can benefit from your experiences, just like I benefited from theirs. And as far as strength, there's a certain grounding to know where you are coming from. And even if you don't, let's say you're not aware of all your own background, some people aren't, you still came from somewhere and you still have something to offer. So in my particular case, knowing, I think this whole historical, circuiting the world in, 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 in essence, the historical context of my life, yeah. um, it results in 
it's, it's just to me it's really empowering to go forward with that yeah. knowledge no that's 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 really interesting and and, and you know I, I i what i really appreciate is is, is this sense of, of responsibility uh to both to, to you know the, the people that have gone before you but but also arguably more importantly the, the ones who will who are here and and uh, and who will follow our podcast is 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 really about uh, education and um, we often talk uh, about the importance of uh, entrepreneurship uh, education and and to, to a certain extent your, your book is contributing to uh, to the literature on topics so so maybe give us give us a preview of what you know what some of the main ideas are from the book. Well, I want people to have a practical approach to entrepreneurship. So many times we have these theor theoretical discussions, and especially in the context of, of a, maybe an academic institution, there's a lot of theory, but we need to couple that with the practicality. And I know there's some great programs that do that already. Mm -hmm. And I started my business, my business, Kasori, came from a class project in business school, Columbia Business School in New York. And... I, the, the assignment was to write a business plan for an idea, real or imagined. And I'm like, I'm not going to do all this work if it's not a real idea. So it needs to be something realistic. And it ended up, and the idea was to design stylish laptop bags for women. This was in the late 90s because all the laptop cases at the time were just all very monotonous looking, no style or anything. So my sister who went to the Fashion Institute of Technology, Helena, she, I said, can you please design something for me? And she did. Mm -hmm. And people started to be really interested in the product. So I'm like, that would be a great topic for my business plan. So I applied the lessons learned from school and then now couple that now with what the, the reality of what does it truly mean to execute this and bring this to life. Yeah. And I found that was a whole other education. And I needed to tap into other resources. So here in the U.S., we have the SBA, the Small, Small Business Administration, and they offer services or access to um, consulting. So the Small Business Development Center, the SBDC, SCORE, these are all free resources or no-cost resources mm -hmm. for small businesses to get advice. So I definitely tapped into them and put it all together, and um, that's kind of how it started to come together. To a certain extent, what uh, what you're saying is you know, there's there's a taught element to entrepreneurship, but then of course there's the equally important, if not more so, experiential element Definitely. To, to entrepreneurship. And and what you're bringing to life through through the book to 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 a large extent is is that experiential side. Yes, and then balancing it with what the actually nuts and bolts. So what are, what are things people want to know what they need to do. So yeah. there's one thing, there's a way you need to think, and then yeah. there's a way you need to do. And then what, what it applies to your specific business. Because I can read about someone else's industry or whatever, but at the, at, when all is said and done, how, do, what is it, how does it apply to myself? Yeah. And so I try to walk people through, well, I use myself as an example, and give them um, insights as to what they can apply for themselves. So I discuss everything from dealing with failure, <clears throat> risk, Assessing risk, risk tolerance, yeah. and realizing that failure is normal. It is not, oh, I hope I never fail. You probably will fail at some point. I mean, we've had no end of, that's why I wrote the book. <laughs> we had so many lessons. and But a lot of entrepreneurs or people who are considering it, they're so afraid to fail. 
And if they could dismiss that notion and just put their energy into their their um, their business concept and take the take the energy that they're using for the fear, put it towards the business, it would serve them well. And not suggesting that people be reckless or any such thing, but I think it's just a disproportionate amount of energy placed into fear. That's the problem. So I walk through that. I also discuss break-even analysis, how to know when you're profitable. So I kind of get into the MBA side a little bit there yeah. and, and put it into terms that the layman can understand because it should not be some veiled concept that you have to go off to school for a couple years to learn. Any, everyone should understand yeah. what profitability is. So I balance out those the numbers with the thought process. Uh, that, that's interesting. And then... What what are your thoughts? If we go back to sort of the, the the idea of the little girl. What are your thoughts about entrepreneurship in in schools at an earlier age? Should should we be thinking about how to instill at least the the skill set, the mindset of the entrepreneur in in young kids? And Most, if so, how? Okay, so yes, they should absolutely be exposed to entrepreneurship early. As a matter of fact, I think children should be exposed to options early. Whatever it may be, so they can choose. So whether it be entrepreneurship, whether it be medicine, whether it be whatever discipline, whether it's scientific, that they can be exposed, so they can naturally gravitate to where they feel they are most, they will be more most yeah. interested. How do we do it? Is to provide, not um, think that they're too young to do it. We say, oh, when they get to high school, we'll have a career counselor. Well, maybe we should have one in kindergarten where they can explore interests. Yeah. And, and as I said, the exposure is what, what, what it is. Because for me, I had exposure. Had I not had that exposure, maybe I would have made different choices. Sometimes mm -hmm. people don't even know what their options are. Yeah. And that's a problem. So the younger we know what the options are, then we can guide our lives in a direction that will get us there. Why should I have to wait till I'm a senior in college to figure out what I want to do? If I have some um, exposure from I'm in kindergarten or first grade, that will help me use my time better. And it gives me focus to my life. And we have a lot of talented young people who they're not sure what to do with themselves because they don't know their options. Yeah. And there's an argument, you know, one that, that's been uh, repeated often that as we move, you know, in, in, into a world where it becomes less likely that someone will, you know, will have a job for life or, or even in some cases, you know, be able to count on, you know, being employed by someone else for, you know, for a significant part of that time. There's an argument that says, well, why don't you create your own, you know, why don't you create your own job or jobs? And that's, that's what entrepreneurs do. And I, I noticed that you, you allude to that in, in the book as well. Um, and that's in a sense why, you know, increasingly people are looking to schools and saying, well, you know, entrepreneurship is, is actually something of a core skill and it combines ver various elements, uh, some technical, um, a lot of them are uh, behavioral and, and, and sort of mindset uh, uh, driven. And therefore, you know, we ought to be focusing on it in, uh, in, uh, as as early and, and, and as uh, uh, efficiently as possible. I mean, we absolutely need to have the mindset of creating your own job. That is, that is a definite shift from what we've been trained to feel. You know, go to school, 
apply for your job and work for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And there's value to that. I'm certainly not decrying that model, but parallel to that is the model of, okay, how about I think of something, yeah. create my own path and do it that way. So mm-hmm. it's an option right off the from the start. Yeah, no, and it's it look again, it's not it's not an either or in the sense that, you know, not everyone can you know, can be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs need people who want to work for, you know, for them. So, yes, so it's sure. it's more about you know, maybe about creating more entrepreneurs rather than than, than <laughs> saying you know, it's 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 a it's a kind of a paradigm shift for right. uh, for everyone. Exactly. Um, let's maybe let's get a little bit into you know in, in, into the substance of the book. What are what are some of the you know? I mean, you've you've got a lot of lessons in there. But what, what, you know, if you had to pick two or three that you, you want to really highlight, what would, those, what would those be? Well, when you mentioned that not everyone should be an entrepreneur or necessarily needs to be an entrepreneur, yeah. I think what I'm trying to say is that people need to know that it's an option. Yeah, no, and, I, and I know yeah, what you, yeah. I just said it already, yeah. but I want yeah. to highlight the fact that there are some people who, because of their insecurities yeah. or fears, feel it's not. When they do have skills and they do have um, something to offer, it's just they're talking themselves out of it. Yeah. And so I want people to realize that they can, don't let their own fears stop them. Don't let yeah. that be the reason or their insecurity. But I'll just read this sentence from the abstract of the book. Yeah, please go ahead. Which says, a girl should always have and know her options. Many know they can grow up to be nurses, doctors, teachers, lawyers, or ballerinas. But somehow, growing up to be an entrepreneur is not routinely considered an automatic choice. But that is changing. Little girls and boys can aspire to start and run their own businesses, whether the plan is to open a lemonade stand or to create a revolutionary invention. The good news is that you do not have to wait until you are grown up you can start now at virtually any age. And I just want to say that it is the goal of this book to make it easier for someone, regardless of age or gender, to better understand and eventually decide whether being an entrepreneur is an option worthy of further pursuit. And the other thing, too, is let's say that this book is not just written for people who want to start a business, but for people who are already in business and maybe for many years. And like they will say, you know, if I'd only known this or if I'd only known that. And my my point is now you will know because I'm going to share some things that maybe you don't have to wait 10 or 20 years to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, as I thumb through it here in my the, the the table of contents of this book, as I mentioned before about the journey, it takes you from your your where you're coming from, your origins, your identity. Yep. It, then it walks you through the journey in your head. What's going on in your own mind? As, as I just mentioned, that's where many people stop. And then from there, what, what would happen if I actually did go forward? Okay, maybe I don't have all the answers. So what, what's holding me back? Am I afraid of I don't have the money? I'm afraid of, you know, if things go wrong. Am I, all the things. Yeah. So walk through some of those things. Then now let's get to the resources. Because if you don't have... My mom would always say, you can't sell from an empty wagon. So you've got to have something, and how do you gain access to that? Yeah. So we, 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 act, we discussed that as well. Arguably, you, you, you need the wagon as well. Yeah, so. you, that's true. 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Highlighting that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, the idea that even if you don't know all the answers, and you never will all at once, if you start, it will lead you to the next step. Yeah. And, um, and just kind of giving an overview of people of things that they can expect along the way. Now, I do have a section called Friends, Family, and Fools. Yeah. And I... That, that's, that's, that, that caught my eye as well, actually, that chapter. And so tell us a little bit about where that comes from. The, the friends and family part I, I, I get. Okay. The fool part. The fools. Who are the fools? Well, it could be all of the above, actually. And it could even include the entrepreneur, which is the sad part. <laughs> but the reality, which is true, because yeah. you have to look at yourself and saying, am I being foolish? Am I crazy? But then to dispel that notion pretty quickly is if you have something of value that someone's willing to pay you for and there are enough people then I think you have something to run with. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think, foolhardy to perceive as something where no one's interested at all. The marketplace does not no. want what you have, then you may want to reconsider. Although Steve, Steve Jobs is, is, is famous for saying that uh, uh, you know, consumers don't know what they want until you show it to them. There is a, there is a, there is a, no, there is a truth to it to some degree. However, once you show it to them, they have to want it. Yeah. Yeah. So you may anticipate the need, but yeah, and and there are such things as as you know products that are ahead of their time. I mean, uh, True. and and you know Apple under under Jobs uh, made some some early investments that didn't you know didn't pan out. I don't know how many people here remember the the Newton, the Newton, which was a sort of a, an early uh, uh, you know uh, handheld device mm -hmm. that was you know far ahead of its time and it it, it bombed. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, but to some extent, though, maybe that failure then, you know, then then led us to you know to the iPhone. Absolutely, and yeah. you know what? The thing about it is that people mustn't feel that just because you're some major corporation, you have all the answers, because yeah. they don't have any more answers than a small business. And we we worked with Apple in our early days too, and we introduced some of our stylish bags originally, and the, they said, "Send us black." I'm like, the idea is about color. <laughs> And as a matter of fact, we sent the black. They're like, they're not moving. I'm like, well, let us send you some color. And when we did, we exchanged it, those flew. And from yeah. then on, we were able to send them our bright, colorful bags that did well with them. So, you know, and at the time, they had colorful laptops. Yeah. So it's just interesting how... Yeah, well, how they, how they didn't make the connection that... Initially. Yeah, that, that if color sells for laptops, then, then why not for laptop cases? Yes. Um, let, let me ask you um, uh, something else, Emily, now. Um, what about, you know, uh, what about ethics in, in, uh, uh, in entrepreneurship, in, in business? What, what role does, does that play? And, and I'm not talking here about, you know, the, the, the sort of usual uh, concerns that, that uh, uh, folks have about business, like, you know, where are you sourcing your uh, you know your, your labor from where are you sourcing your your raw materials? You know, are you you know kind of are you being honest in your business practices? I'm not talking about that. I'm actually talking about the ethics of consumerism. And and let me you know let, let me share in a, you know a, a couple of examples again from the from the high tech tech world. We know it's you know it's, it's the world's you know worst kept secret that 
a lot of our products, uh, you know, technological and otherwise, have built-in obsolescence. Why? Because well, it's obvious. You want the person to come back and and, and you know and buy again and again and again. But we also know that this built-in obsolescence is is you know creating a huge burden on our on our environment. Um, so I guess my question is where do we you know where do we draw the line here and and you know is there is there any any thought around these issues you know or should there be any thinking around this issue from from the entrepreneur you know as they're planning you know their uh, uh, you know their, their next uh, uh, breakthrough. I do not like planned obsolescence, and I do think it's unethical in many ways. Because there was a time when things were built to last. And I believe that the consumer should understand what, it's all relative. So I may buy something that's disposable. I don't expect that to do more than that short-term function, that the expectations are aligned. Mm -hmm. But when I buy, okay, I buy a car. I kind of, I'm not expecting it to last 100 years, but it needs to last as long as I can afford to do something else. And, or when it comes to the phones, maybe that's a good, a more direct example, because we all deal with this all the time. I don't want my phone to be out of date in two years. I mean, not to say that things will not develop and new things are coming along in the meantime, but don't tell me that I now need to change my phone. And so I think for me, in my context, when we're designing bags, I'm not designing a bag that in two years it will be useless to you. As a matter of fact, we've had people who've had our bags for 10 years. And they will call back and they will say, this has served me well for 10 years. Now I'm either ready for another one or I want a different color. I would rather that than the bag fell apart in one year. And they're like, I'll never buy this again. Yeah. So there needs to be a certain trust in what you're doing. And if something goes wrong, how do you fix it? The yeah. consumer needs a trust. So if you're telling me you're planning for your product to be obsolete, it kind of makes me nervous as to when the expiration date is coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, they don't tell you that, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> so, <laughs> but but we know that it happens. Yes, yeah. yes, I understand yeah. that. But I, yeah, I think I think there is responsibility relative to what the item is. But I, the key is that your customer trusts you. Yeah. And they are they are their expectations are not let down with you. Yeah. And 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 what what other I mean what other. Uh, uh, thought processes and, and, and issues of this kind do you do you factor in or as an entrepreneur when you're when you're deciding what you know how to proceed with your with your business well in terms of the ethical side of things or in terms of deciding e- ethical and, and and other other considerations that that you, you feel are important societal considerations that are important to have well you know when people, let me just answer it by saying this. A lot of people decide to start a business because they want to be their own boss, that idea of being your own boss. Yeah. But the reality is the marketplace is your boss. And you have a lot of, a whole cadre of people who are entities that have to support what you decide to do. So whether you, you're making a product, you need a manufacturer, they have, they have, you have to trust them, you have to be in sync with them. You have maybe stores you sell to or whatever it is, whoever your partners are. You're not alone. So you have to connect all those dots. And those are major considerations. Who, who do I connect myself with so that my customer, I deliver on my brand promise to them? 
So you have, it's a whole chain reaction of people that you have to think about. So you're far from being on your own and you're kind of really not your own boss. So there are many considerations. And I think a lot of times people may go into this and they don't realize what team they have to put together. Even if you're by yourself, you still have to reach out to a, quite a network for your idea to go. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, Emily, we're coming up to our time. And so I want to close the conversation by asking you to reflect on, you know, on, on everything you've got in your book. It's quite comprehensive in terms of, I think, the ground that you cover. Um, what's the one, you know, piece of, of knowledge or, or, or skill that, that's contained in the book that you would, you know, you would want uh, everyone to, to have? What's, what's the one thing you can't do without? If you had to choose, I know it's, I'm, I'm putting on the spot here, but if you had to choose one, you know, uh, say chapter or, or, or idea uh, in the book that, that everyone should have, whether they're an entrepreneur or not, um, as, as kind of part of their education as a, as, a, as, a, as a person, what would that be? Faith. Okay. Interesting. You have to have faith. And... I will say this, a big part of this entrepreneurial journey is the emotional side. And in business school, we don't discuss the emotional side mm. too much. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in most contexts, we don't. But that is the underlying backstory of this. What's going on in your life? What are the circumstances? What are the health issues? What are the family ish dynamics? Yeah. All of these things have an impact on what you do with your business. And I have a little section called Love and the Entrepreneur. You know, who you allow in your life and who, who, who has your ear and what they're telling you. So when I say faith, you have to have faith in your own abilities, what you're bringing to the table. You have to have faith that there are people who will appreciate what you're offering and they want to engage with you to this. And you have to be adaptable. And ultimately, for me, it's faith in God. I have a spiritual outlook to this. And I know that my personal faith and my belief in God has helped me through this whole process because there is no way in the world I could do it with my own mortal self. And so I acknowledge that and I thank God for the opportunity and the lessons learned on the journey. Emily McHugh, thank you for being on Wise Words and, and sharing your perspectives with us. If you're enjoying the Wise Words podcast and want to find out more about our guests and their work, as well as discover what else we do at Wise, you can visit us at www.wise-qatar.org backslash wise-words. And if you want to continue the discussion, compliment or critique us, you can find us on Twitter at wise underscore tweets or at wise underscore CEO, hashtag wise pod. We would also appreciate reviews on iTunes because it helps other people find us.